Is Patrick Williams the Bulls' weakest link? Well, uh, writer Andy Bailey seems to think so. We're going to talk about that article. We're also going to talk about uh, the Chicago Bulls being ranked at 22nd on ESPN's initial power rankings heading into the season and dive into the mailbag. We're going to get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. Make sure you guys also check out the Chi-Town Sports Central Network of podcasts, which includes Chicago Bulls Central, Chicago Bears Central, Chicago White Sox and Cubs Central, uh, and also Chicago Sky Central, uh, Chicago Blackhawks Central. We got everything covered. We're still looking for a host for a Chicago Fire podcast as well. So if you're a podcaster and you are a big fan of the Chicago Fire, go ahead and hit us up. We may have a job for you. But with that being said, now let's finally get into the content for today. So first up, um, another article written, Andy Bailey this time, who writes for Bleach Report as much as some other outlets, wrote an article on the weakest link in each team's starting lineup, and he listed Patrick Williams as the Bulls' weakest link. Now, Here's what I'll say to this. Uh, It's a couple of things that go into this, right? And he goes on to say how Patrick Williams has evolved as a shooter, how he's grown in that area, the fact that he can play multiple positions, the fact that Patrick Williams is even coming off his best statistical year, averaging 10.2 points per game, four rebounds and 1.2 assists per game, shooting 46% from the field and 41% from three-point range. Patrick Williams absolutely had his best season as a pro last year, right? And, you know, I think sometimes in what we – can see from Patrick Williams or what we want to see out of Patrick Williams, we can forget that he did take a a leap last year. Well, not a leap. He took a step forward in his growth. A, a leap would be way too much to say. Um, And just kind of refining, understanding how to better, you know, do the things that, you know, have come to him in this offense. But that's not enough from Patrick Williams, right? For it's a player that, that has shown the ability to play make as well as put the ball on the floor, get to the rim a little bit, and a player that has just had a passive nature so far, you know, yes, he, he he took a step last year, but it wasn't enough of one, right? And I've been very, I have a whole video on the fact that Patrick Williams may never turn into a star-level player, but that's okay, right? I still do think that Patrick Williams can be a player that every team kind of needs and wants on the team that's a big, that can shoot, um, that can uh, defend extremely well, and can do some ball handling, right? But the fact of the matter still remains. Patrick Williams still is what the Bulls are looking at as their best bet to really, if he hits a leap, how that drastically raises the ceiling of this team. And we have a great, we have actually a few voicemails today on Patrick Williams that we'll get into. So I'm going to, I'm going to get into a deeper dive then. But when it comes down to you looking at the, at the starting lineup, and I love what, as much as I have tear, tore apart a lot of articles here lately, I actually like this one because this this one isn't an indictment on P-Will not necessarily hitting that expectations of a fourth overall pick. He simply says this, perhaps if P-Will can develop into a gap filler who improves the fit between everyone else, he can shake this designation. That's a realistic take. And that's all what I've been saying in my, you know, my problems with the national media. It's just that some sometimes these writers seem unaware or they have these higher than life expectations for a player year after year that just aren't going to be hit via the circumstances on this team. And the the fact of the matter is the circumstances are Patrick Williams is the fourth option on offense. Yes, he needs to be more aggressive in the opportunity that he's given because I think that if Patrick Williams, a slightly more aggressive Patrick Williams, can go from easily from that 10 
uh, point two points per game to easily about 12 or 13 points per game. If he tacks the boards a little bit more, you get about six rebounds. Like, you're looking at a player that could potentially get 13 and six as your fourth option. That's not that's not horrible, right? And so, you know, in this article saying that they want to see him grow as a gap filler, I think that that is a fair outlook to have, at least initially, right? With what this Bulls team is right now, whether right or wrong, Vooch, DeMar, Zach are going to get the lion's share of the touches. It is what it is on the offensive side of the ball. But Patrick Williams can, with his overall game, and one of the things that I've always said that I can understand why AK and Eversley looked at Patrick Williams and said, this is a good guy for, for to be our first overall draft pick, not overall in the draft, but our first draft pick uh, running this team, is that he's he, add, he can add versatility in how you build out the rest of your lineup. But he does need to learn to grow in that role. And so defensively, he's already there. Least scored on player in the NBA. Patrick Williams has that upside defensively. We've seen it, right? I think if Pat, his confidence in that aggression comes a little bit more, just by the nature of him being more aggressive, go attacking the boards a little bit more, following his shot up a little bit more, taking players off the dribble that he can take off the dribble when he has bigger, bigger players switched on him, that right there can j- drastically change Patrick Williams' outlook next season. So I'm not ready to label Patrick Williams a weak link weakest link at any stretch of the imagination, but he is the link, especially if he ends up being the starter, that you can look at at least by what he showed last season, right? We'll see if he comes into this season with a different mindset, but what he showed last season, just by coming in, kind of excelling that aggression, stepping that up a little bit, it, it can it can massively change kind of the outlook of this team. That's why Javante was so heralded by Bulls fans. That's why Alice Caruso was, you know, we, we played some better basketball with Alice Caruso at the four, even though he did get outworked sometimes because of size. Just having that player that, that kind of understands how to go out and find a way to get theirs if they, because they're not going to be getting a lot of opportunities called for them, it could definitely help the Chicago Bulls. But let me know what you guys think on that down below. It's way I, – I, I just – I can't get with calling him the weakest link, but like I said, if you actually read the article, it's actually primarily complimentary towards Patrick Williams in all reality. So go and check that one out. Now, ESPN came out with their initial power rankings, and the Bulls ranked six. I mean, sorry, I wish they ranked six. 22nd on that list. The teams that were below the Bulls were the Magic, Rockets, Raptors, Spurs, Hornets, Blazers, Wizards, and Pistons, all below the Chicago Bulls. When you look at the five teams above the Bulls, the Pacers, Jazz, Nets, Hawks, and Pelicans, all ranking above the Jazz, uh, the, above the Bulls in those power rankings. And here's what I'll say, right? Power rankings are a thing to start conversation. That's what they are. Um, it's sometimes, you know, when you, if you read the blurb you, and it, you'll kind of see what a, t- what a, a writer's mindset is going into certain power rankings, things like that. But all I'll say is this on that. Uh, the Bulls have to show that that they can play a, a level of, of – they can sustain a level of play consistently. They haven't done that. So it's hard to have a team punch above that. We've already talked about it. The Vegas odds on the Chicago Bulls, they set the over-under on the on like – it's like 36-and-a-half wins, 37-and-a-half wins on the Bulls uh, next season, which I'll tell you what, if you're a better, go and bet on that. Betting the over is going to be pretty easy this season. But, you know, so there's th- – that the doubt around the Bulls is warranted. When you look at the fact that our core three, right, in Vooch, DeMar, Zach, uh, they played the most minutes of any three players last season, and look at the outcome of that. Now, again, improving in the margins, improving a play around those players can drastically help that as well. But when you look at the kind of the tiers above the Bulls, right? So the Bulls are in that second to last tier, 21 through 25. When you look at the teams above that, uh, the one through five, Nuggets, Bucks, Celtics, Suns, Heat, all makes sense, right? Especially if you're looking at power rankings. The Heat being in that top five, considering what they lost and they haven't replaced it yet, 
that can be a little questionable in that second tier. 76ers, Lakers, Warriors, uh, Cavaliers, Grizzlies, in that 6 to 10 area. And then 11 uh, to 15, you got the Clips, the Kings, the Knicks, the Mavericks, the Thunder. While I'm not saying that I 100% agree with all of those selections, right, and where they sit at, but I, I will say it makes sense for almost all those teams to be above the Bulls, right? The Thunder, who didn't finish incredibly well last season, well, I think they finished a little bit better, uh, but they have an MVP candidate in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like, I, I, I think that if, if, if Shea has the season he had last year with the Thunder winning more games, he's going to be an MVP candidate. And so when you when you look at what all those teams did last season, it makes sense for all those teams to be ranked above the Bulls. The Pacers and the Bulls uh, are right there in the same. They have the same odds to win the title according to their rankings, but the Pacers rank one uh, one notch above the Bulls, which, again, I've said before, too, makes sense when you look at kind of their young players, their coachings. Just a little, you, can, you can kind of bet on one of their young players making a leap before you've seen more from them than what you've seen from the Bulls' young players. So I think that that all makes sense. The Bulls got to come out and work. And I think that this is going to be a season, and I said it last time, once DeMar was labeled as, as the fifth most overrated player in the NBA, that tells me that this Bulls season is going to be great. That's all I can say. I think, I think DeMar and the Bulls are going to come out motivated, and I think we've heard that from the players, from the coaching, from everybody, that this team is motivated to kind of prove some things wrong and to correct the ship and on how it went wrong last season. Let's hope that the Bulls can do it. But let me know what you guys think down below on that power ranking. Do you agree? Do you disagree with where the Bulls are ranked? Do you think they should rank higher, lower? Let me know what you guys think on all that down below. But it's Saturday, so that means that it's mailbag day, the most important day of the week or days of the week, Saturday and Sunday are the mailbag days because we get to hear from you guys. So we're going to play this first first mail. This one's from the casual Keller. Hey, it's Kelder again. I want to talk to you about the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I think you're underestimating them a little bit. There's some stuff that you mentioned with good stuff. Um, I don't think you mentioned that they got Quinn Snyder, who is a great coach and is someone that Trey Young might actually listen to. Um, you know that Young and Murray are better than the Bulls back for it. Um, I think you're underestimating what's going to happen with some of their young pieces that flashed last year. Jalen Johnson was per 36, equal to John Collins, and he's coming in to uh, more minutes. Also, A.J. Griffin was one of the best um, shooters, drive, spot-up shooters, pull-up shooters in the league as a like 19-year-old, and he's a great kid, hard worker. He'll be playing a lot more with Hunter and Bay. And then Okongwu's, um, he's getting buzzed. The guy can stay healthy. I mean, they have uh, Dan Bogdanovich. Forgot about that. They have 10 guys that um, could really, really play. Um, they're going to be, I think they're going to be a top 16. Um, the net, uh, I think, could also be an underrated sign there is Dennis Smith Jr. He was nasty on Charlotte. He just didn't notice he was on Charlotte and they're garbage. But um, they've got, you know, another team with 10 good players that can all fit roles. Um, the Bulls do have that now. Um, we'll just see if their top guys are, you know, good enough to take that stuff. I'm interested to hear what you think. Bye. All right. So first up, using per 36, the player that doesn't play close to that number is a terrible statue. It's just, it's just terrible, right? When you, when you, I think people forget, according to per 36, Cristiano Felicia was like the next Shaq. It's just a terrible stat to use. That's why I really don't use per 36 uh, very often, but you, you say that, that uh, the the Hawks could, should be get, given a little bit more respect. Here's what I'll say: they gotta they gotta take it. The Hawks were not a good team last season, 41 and 41. And when you actually watch the games that they played outside of the stat sheet, that was a team that was disjointed. Yes, they looked great in some games against the Bulls, absolutely. But and they have talent. I'm not saying that this team doesn't have talent at all because they do. And I like a lot of the pieces on this team. But at the end of the day, I look at it as this: 
As long as you have Trey Young on this team and DeJounte Murray as your starting backcourt, it didn't work last season. It just didn't work. And Trey Young is not a terrible player by any stretch of the imagination. He's a very limited defensive player. While I do think he gives effort sometimes, his size just keeps him from being a great defender. And DeJounte Murray didn't cover up for Trey Young's defense as much as that you would hope. Now, coming into the season, they got Sadiq Bey, uh, they got Clint Capella, they got DeAndre Hunter, um, and we'll see. And they got Bodon Bogdanovich, who I love coming off the bench. I absolutely wish he was on this Bulls team being our first guard off the bench. But it's not. But I, I can't come in and say that the Hawks are going to be this markedly better team than the Chicago Bulls. Yes, they got Quinn Snyder. Cool, you got a, you got a good coach. But at the end of the day, you still have a team that's flawed. And that doesn't. That's not to mean that this team doesn't have talent. They do. But I'm betting on my Bulls. That's just kind of my thought process on it. Let me guys. Let me know what you guys think down below. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Big O. Don't worry, hey, Big O, man. Uh, this call about Patrick Way. Uh, I love. Uh, that one message, can't think of the guy name, but uh, that talked about Patrick Williams and the fans using the lazy argument that Zach Levine and the Rose agrees that Patrick Williams is not excelling or excelling at a fast rate, however you want to call it. I've been saying that all along. You know what I mean? I get tired of hearing people say, I want the Rose gone because then it's going to unlock Patrick Williams. No. You know what I mean? When I hear people say that, it just tells me they never played organized basketball in their life. You know what I mean? I played basketball from grammar school, fifth grade, all the way through college. I done been on teams where I had to be the man and I had to score and the offense ran through me. I've been on teams where I was the third and fourth options. I was only getting four or five shots a game. And I can tell you, I done had big games off getting four or five passes to me, getting, you know what I mean, being efficient, knocking down my shot. But not only that, you know, I got known around the city for getting rebounds. You know what I mean? Going down there, and I, that's what, that's what used to drive me. You know what I mean? I used to be so angry at times on 13 that I didn't get the ball, that I would go down there and snatch it off the rim and get it and put, and put it back in. Because I felt like I was playing with certain teammates that was ball hog and was trying to get their own. And it drove me to go get it off the rim and using that anger, you know what I mean, uh, with my team to go get mine. You know what I mean? To show people that I can play too. So when I hear people use that argument, like my man say, it just tells me you never play basketball. You want it, you like stuff given. Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams wants to be one of the best in the NBA. If Patrick Williams wants to be a part of the reason his team wins. If Patrick Williams wants to be one of the highest paid players in the NBA, all three of those motivations alone should drive him to go be great. He don't need 20 shots. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, Bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide 
who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. You know what I mean? And if he wants 20 shots, then go get it. Go get it. You know what I mean? Go get it off the backboard. Go get some steel. You know what I mean? Go block some shots. Show some anger. Like, play with some tenacity. You know what I mean? People can watch you play and look at your stats. You might have 12 points and seven rebounds, but we can look at your, the way your game played and say you're the player of the game because we see everything that you did today. You know what I mean? And that's the difference. Two of the most lazy arguments Bulls fans use when it comes to Patrick Williams is, oh, he should be moved to the three. Only because he started at the three his rookie season. There's nothing different about P-Will's game, mindset, mentality, or touches by moving to the three from the four. And as I've said before, he actually has more mismatches at the four because of his ability to dribble. We just don't see it a lot yet. I think if, if, we, if for example, if P-Will was the second option, let's say, and he was playing power forward, I think a lot of people would see more how it does benefit P-Will or could benefit P-Will from playing the power forward. But I think that that's one of the laziest arguments. And then also blame it on Zach and DeMar. Like I said in the opening segment, I, I think there, there's two different conversations that are had and people try to mix them together, right? People have the conversation of, well, Patrick Williams would have gotten more touches if DeMar wasn't there, which is true by the nature. There, those touches would have to go elsewhere. But that is not the aggression issue. With, it does, if Patrick Williams was the three, the four, DeMar wasn't on the team, until his mentality changes and that aggression level changes, it doesn't matter, right? And so I think there are a, sex of, a section of the Bulls fan base that are saying we want to see Patrick Williams get more touches, but his aggression can naturally lead to that. Patrick Williams can go from 7.7 point, uh, shots per game, which he averages, to 10 or 11 very easily by him just not passing up on as much as he passes up. Now, again, for him to take a larger role after that, he would have to show it. But I think that that the aggression that people has can get him more opportunities and more touches. Well, the aggression that he needs to lock, unlock can get him more touches and more opportunities naturally. And then at that point, then you can build off on top of that. Now, I will say this, part of it's coaching as well. Billy Donovan needs to run more opportunities for Patrick Williams specifically. And I'm not saying he needs to run 10, 15 shots, but I'm saying, hey, Run run three. Run three a game for Patrick Williams because he doesn't. And you can tell when, when P. Will gets shots, for those that actually watch the game of basketball, most of those will come through him being open and the team passing it to him and him taking the three, which he's did build on that confidence. But P. Will gets very few options ran for him in the offense um, or for him to even decide, right? And we're not always saying Patrick Williams needs to get things that are ran for him to shoot. He's also a solid point forward. Run opportunities for him to kind of run some things that's what I want to see with Patrick Williams. And so, yeah, I think him unlocking his aggression is the key to everything else, right? And so, yeah, it, it, people do try to use that DeMar and Zach thing. And, and I've said it before. Players have developed with high-usage players on their team before. And so it really comes down to the mindset of the player and the coaching to have the mind on developing that player. Billy Donovan doesn't have it. P. Will hasn't had it. At some point, they need to meet and agree, and then hopefully it starts off P. Will in a better spot. That's my opinion. You guys can, as always, let me know what you think down below. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from KB. What up with it, Hayes? Keith, Keith KB here, bro. Um, All praises are due to the most high. Peace to you and yours. I really love your take, bro, on that kid, Earl Robinson. I watched him at Villanova. He plays bigger than what he is. I believe he plays center for them. He's a tough, smart, hard-nosed kid. That's a good point you made. I would I love to see the Bulls go get him. 
Patrick Will, I, I like he said, I like to see him do what he did in those pickup games, in games. But one thing I've seen in the pickup games is that they go, you know, they give him the ball more. You know, they make him the first option. Maybe if they did that a little more to him for Patrick Will, maybe he would come out of um, his shell, so to say. Um, I really think the Bulls have a team next year with what they got with this kid, Philip Sanago and Benson and what they have done with Carter. They can compete in the playoffs and go far. I really believe that if they coach right. It's a time and a place I think every Bulls player can help in different times in the game, just like last year. We could have went a lot further than we did, so that's beating a dead horse. But uh, I really think they should um, keep Debo. At least, of course, you don't want to let him go until somebody gets desperate, say, in the second half of the season, maybe see how the Bulls are doing at that point. And if um, they're not doing what they should do, I don't know if they might make a change at coaching or what. We just have to let it play out. But peace, bro. Stay up. Love your pick. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I would love for, to be a Bull. Like, I, honestly, if the Bull, if he's waived by the Thunder, I don't even want the Bulls to wait for him to clear waivers. Sign him. That way you pick up his bird rights, you pick up his contract, you do all that. Just get him. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a player that I would love to see in this Bull system. Am I saying he's going to develop into the next starting center or power forward? No, but I think for a team that needs size, rebounding, and his little bit of ability he's shown to stretch the floor, there's so much promise still there in an extremely young player as well. I would love to see him be a pickup by the Chicago Bulls. Now, as far as uh, P. Will becoming more of an option, here's what I'll say. I, I think that it really comes down to, like I said in the last voicemail, it comes down to him showing that he's ready for it. For Billy Donovan, right? I don't think Billy is going to do it, and P. Will can help his stock a little bit by being more aggressive. Now, looking at where the team is at the trade deadline and then the Bulls may be doing something, I think that the Bulls are set up for that. When you look at the Bulls right now are set up to be players at the trade deadline and in the buyout market. When you look at us still having a biannual exception, still having $6 million of a mid-level exception, having the, the $10.1 million disabled player exception, those are all assets that the Bulls can use during the season, whatever, if they need to call an audible, if a player becomes available, you can acquire a player with that disabled player exception, absorb that salary up to $10 million, you're good to go. If a player is bought out that you then want to go out and get, you can either use a disabled player exception or you can use the rest of your mid-level exception or your biannual exception. But using any of those comes down to this. Is ownership ready to pay the luxury tax? So if the Bulls do come in, let's say they they do what I think that they can do and they can play much better having Javon Carter and Torrey Craig there from the start of the season. And let's say the Bulls are hovering around fifth, sixth in that, in that area. I think that at that point in time, hopefully Jerry Reinsdorf, AK makes the call and says, listen, Jerry, we're, we're, fit, we're fifth right now. We're sixth right now in the Eastern Conference. There's a trade coming up. I'm not going to name a player. There's a player coming up. We want this player to be able to go into the luxury tax. We can get out of the luxury tax again this offseason, but we want this player because we think we can go on a great playoff run by getting this player. Let's hope Jerry Reinsdorf then signs off on that. That's what I hope. I don't know if it's going to happen, but, hey, we're going to keep hope alive. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This runs from Big O. Okay, hey, it's Big O again. So uh, my last voicemail, I called in and uh, said, you know, uh, I expect the Bulls to compete at the top of the East. Now I'm gonna be a little bit more direct. Uh, I think I think they're gonna probably have a they gonna have a they gonna say they're gonna have. I'm just gonna put. I think the Bulls will make the playoff, and they won't make the play in. And I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, this is Demar Derozan's uh, contract year. What do we know about players, especially a player of Demar Derozan's caliber, when he want he wants to get paid, right? So what can we expect from Demar? 
I think he's going to have a hell of a start, of a great start to the season, a whole season. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Um, what that look like? That's that's kind of like my question uh, to you because for me, I know Demar wants to get paid. You know what I mean? I don't know if he still want to be here. Maybe he does, maybe he don't. But wherever he goes, he want to let he want to let motherfuckers know. You know what I mean? I'm worth this money. So I think that's going to fire him up to come out here. But what does a great a contract year, you know, going to a contract year season like for Demar Derozan? For me, I don't really care if Demar Derozan averaged 21 points to 25. We know he's going to score. If they win in games and he's scoring 28, I, it don't bother because we win a game. But if his points do come down, 22, 23, that means somebody else is stepping up, and I'm okay with that as well. A good, great, a great uh, uh, contract season for me for DeMar is him shooting close to five three-pointers a game, making at least two. Uh, and a lot of stuff I want to say that don't show up in the stat, stat sheet. I want him playing off the ball more, so, I, so with that, I want him – Doing more slashing. I thought when Pat Beverly was in the last quarter of the season, DeMar was doing a lot more slashing. I want to see DeMar doing more slashing. You know what I mean? So other players can get a fist off him driving to the basket instead of him having to go one-on-one. I'm looking, I'm looking at a 90, 50, at least 35% from the three-point field uh, here for DeMar DeRose. And if the Bulls sign to extension and, he, and he's averaging that and he's doing that, uh, playing consistent defense because we know he's capable of it. Um, hey, the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? This team can go out and surprise some people. Um, I mean, it's all in their heart. They need their young guys to step up, as we know. But it's all in their heart. It's all in their mind. It's all in their heart. You know what I mean? They got to come out and prove that. So that's kind of like my question to you. What does a, a great uh, contract year? Um, great, great points on DeMar. I think that DeMar's going to come out motivated this season. Uh, we've seen it. Demar's a very petty player when uh, he's he's questioned. So calling him overrated again, I think that's going to put the battery in his back. Not that he needed it. Demar had a great season last season. Very like he's always going to be efficient. He's always going to get you 24, 25 points per game. That's just going to be Demar Derozan. Um, now as far as Demar wanting to get paid, that's where things get interesting for the Bulls, right? Because if they do pay Demar big money next season, which is absolutely a possibility. At that point in time, you you have to be making enough moves to where ownership is going to feel comfortable with you going into luxury tax because then you're not going to really have assets to improve the team um, or unless you're trading a bunch of players. So, you know, at the end of the day, how I feel about DeMar is I've, I've always said this. I would not mind seeing DeMar move. I still, if I was running the team, would still look to move DeMar to see what I can get, if I can get a package that makes sense, whether it is draft picks, whether it's a nice young player, whatever it is. And I know some people are going to make the mindset, well, who's going to come in and score with DeMar? That's not how basketball works. You don't need somebody who's just going to replace DeMar one for one. You want to change some things, right? Get a player in there that maybe is better defensively but can also stretch the floor, how that can help the team. But all, but here's the thing. I think that the best bet still is DeMar coming back. Um and being given an extension because that's what AK has shown us. Now, as far as DeMar shooting five threes per game, here's what I'll say. DeMar DeRozan's career high in three-point attempts per game was 2.7, and that was all the way back in 2013-14. So for DeMar DeRozan to to double his career high, basically, and, and hit half of those, listen, it would completely change the outlook of this Chicago Bulls offense if DeMar is taking more threes. It just would, right? And he's talked about it. We'll see if it happens. If he does, if DeMar can take more threes and hit them at a decent clip, hey, that really does change some things, not only for him, but for Zach to operate in space, for Vooch to operate in space. It changes some things. So we'll see. DeMar is a player that is always working and changing his game. So we'll end up seeing. Let's get into the last voicemail for the day. This one's from Shay. What's up, Harris? 
say, you know, I was thinking, man, a lot of people don't really think about this, but, you know, everybody's talking about identity, what should our identity be and what should it be or what shouldn't it be and this and that. Look, let's just call it for what it is. We should be a defensive, our identity should be defensive first, offensive second. On offense, inside out, not outside in. Now, look, I know I've been preaching this for the last couple of, the last year and a half that you've known me, but uh, that's what it should be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know offense is important, but, like, the way this team is set up, from from Alex Caluso to Javon, from Javon Carter, from, hell, yeah, I can even throw Kobe White in there because he's showing some defensive improvement. We are a defensive first team now. We should let our defense dictate most games, not offense. But defense. If we do that, we're probably going to be a, I don't know, over 55 win team. But our identity has to be defensive first. We cannot look to our score teams next year. We have to look to lock everybody down as opposed to, as opposed to approaching every game. Look to beat them with our defense. That's it. That's all. Anyway, tell me what you think. Please. What will the Bulls identity be next season? I have no idea. I, I would hope that it's an identity of a tough offensive and defensive team. I said it before. Efficiency needs to be the word for the Bulls, right? That needs to be the name of the game. If they can play efficiently on defense, efficiently on offense, that's what this team could be. The team was fifth in, in defense, overall defense last season. Now, I've told the reasons why they're going to be a much better half-court defensive team this season with the acquisitions that they've made as well. So I do think that this team is probably going to be one of the top I would say top five at the minimum. That's that's the minimum. I would like to see the team top three in defense and then efficiency on offense. I'm not saying necessarily points per game, but if they can be top 10 in efficiency on the offensive side of the ball and have a positive point differential, that, that definitely changes a lot for the Chicago Bulls, and that's what I want to see. As far as playing inside out instead of outside in, listen, all effective. Whatever you can do effectively and efficiently, that's what you need to do. Move the ball around. Limit turnovers. That's what I want to see from the Chicago Bulls team. You guys can let me know what you want to see down below. But that's it. That's today's Mailbag episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. And lastly, you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for our mailbag episodes, 773-270-2799. Uh, did I get that right? 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys and like I liked in every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.